Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Ruth Ezel. St. Louis area residents Rachel Webb and Jocelyn Larson have come from different walks of life, but they have at least one path in common. They've both in recent years developed breast cancer and have chosen to open up online about their experiences living with it. While they now have intensive treatments and surgeries behind them, though, their respective journeys are far from over. They both join me now in studio to discuss some of the surprises and challenges that they've been encountering lately. Rachel, Jocelyn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, first, Jocelyn, a big congratulations. I was checking out your YouTube uh, mm -hmm. site and uh, your, I saw your latest post. So I want to say congratulations on being selected as a Portrait of Hope ambassador with the American Cancer Society. Could you explain to me what that is? Sure, absolutely. Thank you so much, by the way. Um, so the Portraits of Hope, we are there to share our stories and raise awareness for cancer research and, and um, specifically for the Making Strides Against Breast Cancer 5K walk that is going to be here in St. Louis in October, October 26th, just down at Forest Park. So the Portraits of Hope, ladies, the ambassadors are, there's about seven of us. We all have different experiences with breast cancer, and it's going to be our job over the next year or so to share our experiences, tell our stories, and help to raise funds for the, the good work that we do through the American Cancer Society. Now, on your YouTube channel, I, I see you put like day one, day 10, whatever, and you have, your followers have been able to look at the whole process. And you have a lot of practical advice in there, mm -hmm. like how how to wrap the scarf after you have chemo and how to tie a scarf so it looks attractive. Sure. Um, what kind of feedback have you been getting? Well, I, I've gotten a lot of really great feedback. In fact, I've gotten a lot of folks who have contacted me when they've had somebody in their lives who have, you know, has gotten a diagnosis like this, asking, what kinds of scarves should I get? What support should I offer? So I've been able to be helpful that way. And honestly, I started this process, and I, and I was documenting, and I still have a lot of, of stuff in the can that I haven't edited and put out there. But somewhere near the end of my chemo and right before my um, my uh, mastectomy, I it, it became almost too difficult to share that stuff. So I kept recording and I kept it in, but I hadn't released it, which I'm releasing more of them now. Um, but it was... I kind of like closed off for a little bit. And now now that I'm on this end of it, I can share that more and I'm getting more people coming at me, you know, looking back, what would you have liked or what was helpful and what wasn't? Yeah. Now, Rachel, you're also sharing, but you're doing it through a blog. You call it Living Through. Mm -hmm. So why did you decide to start writing and sharing in the first place? Well, I'm actually a, a journalist by trade. I'm a writer, and it's for one thing. It it I felt like it would be kind of time consuming to explain to everybody in my life separately exactly everything that was going on, and I also just I tend to think verbally. I tend to think in words, and um, that seemed like an easy way of expressing myself and also sharing news with people when I needed to. Understand. So for our listeners who follow Rachel and Jocelyn, or if you or a friend or a relative are living with cancer or a cancer survivor, and if you, whatever questions you have for our guests, please join this conversation and give us a call. 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us 
at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Uh, would you mind terribly, Rachel, I, if I just read a little passage from one of your blogs? I mean, I was just so sure. moved by it. Okay. Okay. All right. Three years ago, I'd put on a gown and sat there listening to flute music while I waited for them to call my name. I take it this is before chemo, a chemo mm-hmm. treatment. Okay. Impatiently, because I knew I was really fine, this was all just a precaution, and I had to get back to the newsroom for deadline. Today, I'm looking at the other women and wondering who's in the same unfortunate club? Who's rushing to get back to work? Who is here for routine imaging? Who is here because they've already found something? Who's going to be told they're fine? And who's going to be told they have to talk to the nurse who will schedule everything else and answer all their questions? That sounds like something from a fully realized memoir. And there's, I mean, <laughs> well, it is clear you. that you write for a living. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you got some reaction from, from that. I did. Actually, I wrote that. I, I put that up yesterday, so I haven't even promoted it. Um, but I, I kind of, for a while, I I didn't um, say much on there. But, but then I, because for a while, I felt like there wasn't much to say. Um, but now I'm I'm having a lot more sort of thoughts and feelings and memories coming back, and and I'm also having things extended with with side effects of the treatment and whatnot. So it's even though I am cancer free at the moment, um, I still have um, uh, things to say about it. And as far as my earlier posts, I, I definitely did get reactions, and um, I think that I. I, I've heard from people who've said that it, it definitely helped them. It definitely moved them. I think that in some cases with friends and family members, it kind of allowed me to tell them things that maybe I would not have told them face-to-face or express things that I may not have told them face-to-face. Or, and and they, they appreciated that. Now, you blog too, don't you, Jocelyn? I do. I do. And, and again, same thing. It was sort of sporadic since I'm just now at the end of my treatment or, or the end of the major parts of my treatment. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going back and reliving those memories and bringing those back up again. But I did write a few blogs while I was in the process when big moments would happen. Like I I started to develop this thing where I was fainting a lot, and that became uh, really important because I became aware of how imp- how how desperately I needed my husband in those moments, and how difficult it must be for him because when I faint, I just fall asleep, and it was like a sweet little nap in the middle of the day. But for him, he had to be there, and he had to catch me, and he had to be so hyper vigilant that I was just absolutely overwhelmed with gratitude for for his presence. So in moments like that, I was able to to write with sort of wild abandon, but. In those moments when you're actually going through the treatments, sometimes those feelings are too hard to unpack in words until after you've gotten beyond them. And Mm -hmm. when you get that initial cancer diagnosis, you don't know what to expect, but they tell you, here's what's going to happen, one, two, three, four, five. Were there any surprises? Was there anything you just did not expect that happened to you? Everything? Wow, yeah. (laughs) Well, when I was diagnosed, I was really thinking um, when I when I met with them with the doctor after I officially learned I had cancer. I remember telling myself, "Okay, I I'll be okay as long as it's not stage four, which is metastatic breast cancer, and that's considered uh, not curable." But 
I still kind of expected rationally that it would be like stage one or maybe even what they call stage zero, which is ductal carcinoma in situ. So I, I was thinking that this was going to be, uh, you know, I was still in shock, but I was thinking this was going to be a, some radiation and a lumpectomy. And so when they told me this is going to be a part of your life for at least a year, that to me was almost a bigger shock than finding out I had cancer. And I think even my husband said I seemed more shocked by that than than the news that I had cancer. You both have husbands. You're both parents. How has this affected your family life in your relationships? You know, we were just talking about that in the green room, and it's it's something that all of our family has had to deal with and continues to have to deal with. And we're still discovering how that has impacted our family. And from, from our kids who each one had their own different way of processing it. Some were very vocal about working through it and wanted to be right there in the face. I had my youngest right there in chemo with me every single day uh, to others who just kind of wanted to disconnect and, and not talk about it and process it on their own. And to this day, there's what I find most surprising is that some of the harder work is actually, for me, is actually coming after the major treatments are done. What I didn't expect was, I thought, you know, okay, I'd go through radiation, I'd go through surgery, and I'd go through chemo, not in that order, radiation came last, and and then I'd be done, and then I'd be able to start my life again where I left off, and I'd be able to pick right back up again. And that didn't happen. And not only did I have physical things that I had to deal with that I wasn't expecting, but I also had emotional things that I had to deal with. And cancer is something that affects the entire family and and your entire circle. And so where I was kind of, I found myself struggling with this kind of a depression after I got out of the major treatment, I found that my caregivers were also fighting that. Yeah, caregiver stresses, that's not something people talk about or even think about sometimes. No. Right. Yeah, and it, it's a trip, too, to be on this end of it and to have conversations with people who have helped you throughout this process. But then you look in your eyes, in their eyes and, and you, can, you can see that they had a contingency plan for this time in your life. Like, what if you didn't make it to this point? Because that's natural, right? When you mm. hear somebody has a, a disease like cancer, they have to think about what is my life going to look like a year from now if this person is no longer here with me. And so to recognize that in, in the eyes of you know, friends and family members, it's, it's a very strange place to be. Mm-hmm. And on top of all this, we haven't even gotten into the work-life balance mm-hmm. <laughs> situation yeah. which every working mother faces. Yes. Sure. So how do you juggle that? That, that? I guess that's where kids' understanding, husbands' understanding really comes into play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That was that was a hard that was that was really hard, especially because um, I was a, a, a news editor at the time. And so, you know, the news doesn't stop for chemo and cancer surgery. And so it was a job where I had to be very much mentally acute when I was there. I, I couldn't check out. I couldn't really have a bad day, even though I had many of them and my um, my Coworkers and employers were uh, abundantly understanding, um, and I am very grateful to them for that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I sort of had this feeling like I was kind of just 
hauling myself to work every day, sort of like, you know, just like I was just a giant bag of bones walking down the street, you know, I, I, um, especially toward the end of chemo and, and, uh, when I came back from my mastectomy surgery and things like that, it was that was tough. That was really tough. Um, and because of the line of work that we're both in, I mean, mm-hmm. in the deadlines and the stress, exactly, which can't make things any easier. No, no, it really can't. And you know, the sort of the mental fog continued for a good while, and 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 that made it really difficult. Um, I'm a lot better at that now, and I, I have to work really hard, though, to maintain, like, my nutrition and exercise. Those things both really help me a lot. We're talking with St. Louis area residents Rachel Webb and Jocelyn Larson, who are sharing their experiences with breast cancer now that their major treatments are behind them. I have an etiquette question to ask because when people find out for the first time that you have cancer, whether they're friends, acquaintances, whatever, is there anything people should not say in response? <laughs> um, you know, there are a few do's and don'ts, and everybody's going to be different. For me, not a whole lot really affected me too deeply, but um, I, I had mo- most of the, the people who wanted to, to share the most were the people who maybe overshared a little bit in that, um, you know, lots of folks would come to me and say, I'm really pulling for you because, you know, my my sister or, or my mother had breast cancer and died from it, and which is sort of a terrifying thing to hear when you're in this. But I also was totally prepared, and, and I lost my grandmother to breast cancer, so I knew that that was going to be a possibility. Um, and, and, Early on during my diagnosis, I got a lot of, uh, see, I work at, at a university, at a science and technology university. So a lot of my colleagues were like, hey, guess what? Here's a new innovation. Here's a new innovation. Here's a new innovation. And I'm like, that's great. But I still got to go through the works. That's right. So, but you're better informed. I'm much better informed. <laughs> that's wonderful. But, uh, but I mean, I think it's it, it all depends on who you're talking to because some people will be a lot more sensitive to the things that you say than others will. Yeah. How about you, Rachel? Um, I I feel like I was very lucky. I don't think I got too many of the nightmare comments. I've heard of I've heard of people getting a lot of um, you know, especially unsolicited advice like you need to eat mushrooms, you need to eat only spinach or you you know, those sorts of things. Um, and the few of those that I did get were not too troublesome to me. I would say that probably for me, the harder part were the people who just pulled away entirely because that did happen. That me. must have made you feel pretty stigmatized or did it? Or did you just it's, think it's that's their problem? Um, you know, I think rationally, I, I know that's their problem, but uh, it, it still hurt my feelings. And, and uh, but, you know, at the same time, I feel like I know who my better friends are. And I know who I can rely on. You know, I had a little bit of that, too. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't so much thinking about who had pulled away because I was I was so overwhelmed by the support that I got. But 
I, there was one moment where I had a friend who makes jewelry, and I had I wanted a breast cancer bracelet, and she makes beautiful jewelry. So I reached out to her, and I hadn't heard from her, and I was like, "Hey, can I can I have something like this? Can you make something like that for me?" And then she wrote me back with an apology, and it had been months since my diagnosis, and I hadn't heard from her. Mm-hmm. And she wrote me back with this like big long apology. I'm so sorry. I didn't know what to say. I and and then by the time I thought to say something, I, I felt like it was too late and too much time had gone by and I couldn't say anything and I was just like it's fine just get me a bracelet that's all I want (laughs) but no and I had some of that unsolicited Mm -hmm. advice too I actually had um, somebody try to to sell me like a product and he couldn't remember what it was called but he thought it was like peroxide that you drink and I don't think I was like I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna work (laughs) (laughs) is are there is there a perfect response? Are there the right words to say to you guys, to to anyone who is living with cancer? I love you. Yeah. I think that's probably yeah. what... Three really good hear. words. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, we've been talking about your challenges. What positive has come out of this experience for either of you? Hmm. I would say I have such a new appreciation for life and before my diagnosis I was such a nervous little hamster that I was constantly I was stressing out about my career I was stressing out about you know whether I was doing right for my kids and and whether I was in the right house whether I was you know had the right animals or all of these things were really stressing me out and, and particularly with my career I was like I was never I was never far enough in my career um, but getting to this side of it and just being grateful to be alive and realizing that very easily all of that could have gone away and none of it would have mattered gives me a much more uh, a better appreciation for where I am and I don't I don't need for much anymore I don't want for much I'm so happy with where I am Rachel have you, has your perspective how has that changed you know that's a tough one and I um I was meeting with a counselor for a while because it it really, cancer, talking about surprises, it actually really damaged my self-esteem quite a bit. I felt like, wow, I can't even reproduce cells correctly. So, (laughs) you know, I must be terrible. But, um, uh, you know, I feel like any, I I have gained new insights into life and mortality and, and all of that and what's important. But I also feel like I paid a really big price for that. Yeah. And that's that's still hard for me to cope with, frankly. I was reading from your blog earlier. Well, I mean, and, and like I said, it did it did read like a memoir. Do you think you might write one one of these days? Um, I think some people have suggested that to me, and I I could, but I also there are so many breast cancer memoirs that I I look at them and I think, well, what do I have to say that you know hasn't been said? So I don't know. That's a good question, though. And I'm flattered that you would even suggest that, actually. Well, your, your writing's beautiful. I mean, it touched me. And, Thank you. Uh, yes. Now, uh, Jocelyn, you had mentioned that you did have relatives who had cancer. Rachel, did, was that the case with you, or was this come out, just come out of the blue? This came totally out of the blue. We don't have a history of breast cancer in my family, and we really don't have much cancer in my family. Most of my relatives live to a ripe old age and pass in their sleep. And so uh, when I had to call my parents and, and tell them 
that I had cancer, it, it was not something that they were expecting or had even considered to be a possibility. So no, that was it was a left field experience completely. Well, I've got to say, you guys are an inspiration to me and best of luck with, with everything. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.